I think we're at a moment when when the world needs what the monitor offers, and that is a sense of a sense of credible hope, a sense of honest possibility. That was Mark Sappenfield, editor of the Christian Science Monitor, on how the monitor today goes about fulfilling the original vision for the news source set by its founder, Mary Baker Eddy, in 1908. Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Baker Eddy Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. The library provides educational resources and opportunities related to the life, achievements, and writings of Mary Baker Eddy and their ongoing impact. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Library, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode in which we explore one of Mary Baker Eddy's most notable achievements in her establishment of the Christian Science Monitor. Recently, I sat down with Mark Sappenfield in which we looked at a speech about the newspaper given in 1910 by the paper's first editor, Archibald McClellan, to see what has changed since then for the news source and what has endured. In a sense, what took place was a kind of dialogue between the original and current editors over the expanse of more than a century. McClellan's talk took place in Chicago and drew a large audience, numbered in the thousands, interested in learning more about what was involved in this new venture into the field of journalism. A transcript of the talk resides in the archives of the Mary Baker Eddy Library. To begin our discussion, I read this excerpt that launches the theme of the address. Here are McClellan's words, followed by Mark's response. McClellan says, I think you will agree with me that chief in importance among the institutions of modern living is the daily paper. In fact, the newspaper has become practically indispensable to the working out of human problems, and through it, human thought has awakened to a growing sense of the unity and community and vital interests which exist among all members of the human family. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear him speaking is something that I remember hearing, I don't know if it was in my very first Journalism 101 class, but it was certainly very early in my journalism education. I did go to a, a college in Virginia that had an undergraduate degree program in journalism. And I remember in that Journalism 101 program, they were talking about, very presciently it turned out, about how kind of the decline of the American railroad happened. And they said the decline happened because the railroad magnates thought they were in the railroad business, not the transportation business. And it's, I think, very much the same way that you see today is that back in McClellan's time, and certainly for a long time after that, all the way up to really the 1990s, you know, newspapers thought they were in the newspaper business because exactly what McClellan was saying was true, was that newspapers were such a integral part of daily life. But what we're finding now is that as you get the introduction of um, cable channels that can have 24-hour television news, as you get to now in the internet era where you can have blogs and any number of people or any number of organizations kind of entering into the journalism field, that really we are in the communication slash information field. Mm. And in some ways, what McClellan said, if you broaden that out to think about the communication and information field, 
is just as relevant today as it was then, if not even more so. I mean, if you think about at some other point in this talk, McClellan talks about how everyone had a newspaper back then, whether you were, you know, a bricklayer or a politician, whether you were a millionaire or not, you know, whether you were someone working in a factory, everyone had the newspaper. And that was the kind of the common, that was a common hearth around which the community kind of spun. Today, when you think about it, what is that? It's almost the cell phone. Mm. You know, if there's a unifying thing that everyone talks about, <laughs> yeah. it's this them, everyone kind of looking down, it's, it's the thumb flip, you know, people just flipping through things. That's not necessarily a newspaper, but that's all information. Right. And that's kind of what unites us in a sense. Now, the way that we consume that information in some ways is dividing us because there are so many different ways that we can go about that. But this fundamental idea, which McClellan is talking about, is there being kind of this, this overriding you know, everyone is into information. Absolutely is true. I would just say today what's happened is that that's not the newspaper anymore. It, it still is in some, to some degree. I mean, newspapers still matter. Mm -hmm. But the way that he talked about the newspaper being such an absolutely central part of American life that everyone had a part in, we're seeing that go away and we're seeing kind of the rise of information go up. And I think that's what it behooves. That's what we're going through in the journalism business right now. I mean, right now, the journalism industry is in huge upheaval financially and otherwise because we've got to figure out how do we make money because people aren't buying our things anymore. And we need to make sure we don't think about things the way that the railroad people did in terms of, you know, we're not in the newspaper business. We're in the information business. Picking up on the subject of the information business... Mark and I explored what McClellan had to say about the publishing side of journalism in his era in relation to a new business model that the Monitor has launched for its daily reporting. Mark responded to this excerpt from McClellan's talk when he says the following. The three important elements in newspaper success are policy, readers, and advertising. The policy of the Christian Science Monitor was established by Mrs. Eddy in her declaration that its purpose was to injure no man but to bless all mankind, a policy which has made favorable appeal to a large portion of the reading public. McClellan then concludes that this has opened the way for the successful exploitation of what, from a strictly business standpoint, ordinarily would be considered perhaps the most important element of all three namely advertising. It's funny when you kind of when you first read that McClellan quote, I mean, I come from the, the in, in journalism, we talk about the editorial side and the publishing side and the editorial side are the people who write the words and make the decisions about what the stories are and the publishing side are the people who sell the ads. And, you know, for so long there was, you know, there was not perceived to be, there was an absolute firewall between those two is, you know, you don't tell me what to write publishing because I'm not just going to write something that, you know, makes this car dealership happy or something like that. But it's funny coming from the editorial side, like I did, you know, you, you can hear what McClellan is saying and it feels, you know, you get, you get a little kind of nervous there. It's like, Ooh, the most important element is advertising. And that just, <laughs> that just does not feel right. But it's funny. Um, you know, as I said, I came from the editorial side, but I've been the editor of the monitor now since uh, March. So I guess coming up on five months now ish. And as the editor, I have to kind of look over all the different aspects of what's going on. And what's been interesting is that as I, since I have been editor, I think kind of the deeper point of what McClellan is making there has kind of rung 
much more loudly for me, which is that, you know, obviously as someone who was a writer first and then uh, the deputy national news editor, and then after that, the national news editor, I've always thought really, really deeply or tried to think really deeply about Mrs. Eddy's mission for the monitor and how that influences what I write, how I edit, what stories I assign, you know, uh, to injure no man and to bless all mankind, and also um, to spread undivided the science that operates unspent. You, you take those kind of pillar stones and you say, what kind of journalism does that mean we do? And so that was always very natural for me on the editorial side to think about that. But since I've become editor, it, it's become clearer and clearer to me that the business side has to live by those exact same principles. Mm. So to injure no man, to bless all mankind, and spread undivided the science that operates unspent are just as relevant to the success of the monitor, both financially and in terms of it doing its job in the world. But again, with the rise of the internet, I think we've just seen that the whole paradigm for uh, newspaper ads has kind of fallen apart a little bit. And what's risen in its place is you need to have the trust of the readers, is you need to create a relationship with the readers. Mm. And the good thing that we feel about the monitor is that we've always had that baked into ourselves. We've always had a reason. We were never just about the car ads. Right. So then the natural evolution that you see as we kind of work our way into how does advertising work in this era is be who we are and create that relationship with readers. I think one of the things that people who are new to the monitor come to is they recognize that our readers are some of the most dedicated readers anywhere in journalism, is that our readers stick with us enormously. I mean, I get, I get emails every day from people who say, I've been reading the monitor for 60 years. These are people who live all across the country and who have chosen to come to the monitor because of what it represents to them. So in there is the spark of the essence of what I would call, you know, Mrs. Eddy's mission for the monitor, which is to reach out and to touch hearts and to open hearts. And all these people have felt that. We've created that relationship with them. And so it's natural then, as we move into kind of the new era of how do you work on the advertising that McClellan was talking about, it's all about building those relationships. And so when we did launch this new Monitor Daily, which we did in May, it obviously has a form which is, you know, five stories that we publish every day and send out to readers in an email as part of a kind of a, a newsletter. But behind the scenes, what we've been really working on, and we hope to expand this as we keep pushing on this, is a real sense of creating a community. For example, there was a recent time when we, I got a, an email from a reader, and they had heard about something about a woman who was in, uh, on, living on an island in Washington State in the Puget Sound. And she was, I think, 90 years old and was Japanese-American and had been interned in a Japanese-American internment camp during World War II. But here at age 90, she was finally getting her high school degree. She had literally been pulled out of high school in 1940, whenever it was, to be put into this internment camp and had never finished high school. And now she was going back and was going to get her degree. And it was just such a, it was just such a monitor story. It was about persistence. It was about courage. It was about forgiveness. It was about grace. Um, and they recognized that and they, they pitched it to us. We sent someone out there. He did the story. And that's an example of it becoming a, a team. 
we would have never found that story if that person hadn't sent it to us. Mm. But they knew who we were because that's what they valued about us. And they reflected that back toward us. And our job is then to find stories they can't find. They can't go to Somalia or Yemen or Iran. But our job is to find those stories in those places and reflect that back to them. McClellan summarizes his speech by addressing what he calls the high mission of the Christian Science Monitor. This provided an opportunity for Mark and me to explore how the Monitor thinks about fulfilling that mission today. Here's what McClellan says. Those who are the first to give support to this paper and to aid its growth and circulation do not regard the furtherance of this enterprise as a burden, but as a high privilege, since such support speeds the paper to the fulfillment of its high mission, which is to bless all mankind. Well, I think, I think we're at a moment when, when the world needs what the monitor offers, mm-hmm. and that is a sense, of, a sense of credible hope, a sense of honest possibility. I think, uh, ironically, you know, as, as we become much more able to do remarkable things, whether it's in outer space or on the internet, you know, the, the boundaries that we're breaking through are astonishing, yet kind of within our own heads, we're becoming more prisoners because uh, we're feeling like we're being bounded by political party or fears about ISIS or, you know, we are, we are building up these things to be monsters that in fact, we don't need to be building up as monsters. And I think the monitor can play such an important role in helping people to claim their liberty Mm. again. Uh, And that is not by kind of falling victim to kind of what the media trend is now, which is kind of the deification of person and self. You know, so again, with kind of the iPhone and I call it the on-demand culture, so much of today is about me, not me specifically, Mark Sappenfield, but, you know, every individual me out there, you know, from free market economies to politics, everyone is trying to pander to the individual. And so that can kind of create a deification of self, you know, like what I believe is true and, you know, heck against anyone else who believes otherwise. I think that actually is imprisonment mental imprisonment because you lock yourself into yourself and you don't allow yourself the freedom to expand and to grow and to see the wonderful diversity and, and just breadth of the human family and to embody that as yourself. If you just, if you just hold to yourself and say, that's all I am and you don't embrace the world, then you're missing out on most of who you could be. Right. Uh, and I think the monitor is, is offers readers an opportunity to break down those walls and to have a much richer, fuller version of self that liberates you from feeling like you have to get your way or everything falls apart. And I think that's progressive for the world. I think that's progressive for the individual. And it it feels to me like the monitor has long played a role in helping journalism forward from kind of the yellow journalism of the past to the, you know, expanding international journalism in the 30s and 40s. And it just feels like this is something that the monitor can give to the world going forward. And that's, that's not a burden. That's exciting. We just need to be up to the task. I hope you enjoyed this podcast in which we brought together perspectives from two editors of the Christian Science Monitor. From its first, Archibald McClellan, who served from 1908 to 1914, and from its current editor, Mark Sappenfield. 
To learn more about Monitor journalism over the years, we invite you to explore videos about the news source. Go to mbelibrary.org slash videos and click on the Journalism tab. In our next episode, we'll continue our conversation with Mark Sappenfield, along with other staff from the Christian Science Monitor, to discuss its recent five-part series on famine in Africa and how it exemplifies enduring values that have underscored Monitor reporting since Mary Baker Eddy founded the news source more than 100 years ago. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2017.